you know the most exciting thing going on right now. Uh, baseball starting up soon too, so we'll be, uh, I'm sure mention that a little bit. But that's going to do it for us on the Daily Sports Report uh, for Leo Blavin, Eli Sherman, Ryan Kassoff, Andrew Hausman. My name is Mike Lewandowski. We're going to leave you with a good night and a go blue. Gives to Perry. Perry through the middle. Touchdown, Michigan. And the Wolverines have won it in overtime. Michigan wins by a score of 27 to 24. And the team storms the field to mob Chris Perry. WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. WCBN.org. On to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds her breath Ann Arbor as Navarre gets set. Places down. Kick is up. It's long enough. It's good. It's good. Michigan wins the game. Michigan shocks Washington. And the Wolverines are victorious. Welcome to Gray Matters on this special pre-film festival edition. little opening music there to serve as a reminder that your ears should be perking up 
for strange sights and strange sounds. It's a big excitement here uh, for the 52nd annual Ann Arbor Film Festival, which is the third oldest film festival in North America and the oldest experimental film festival. So lots to talk about, lots of uh, events and activities coming up uh, right here in town over the next uh, six days. <clears throat> sort of kicked off here this morning on WCBN with Sue Dice interviewing uh, Festival Executive Director Leslie Raymond. And that's sort of a tradition for Sue Dice to do that on her Monday morning show. Get a good overview and... Uh, Talk to uh, some of the folks in charge of uh, this thing happening. Uh, I myself am lucky enough to be uh, on a screening committee, so I help watch the uh, numerous submissions that uh, are sent in from all over the world. The uh, Ann Arbor Film Festival receives, on average, over 2,500 submissions. I'm not sure exactly how many there were this year. And there's really only about time over the week uh, event that is the... Uh, week-long event that is the uh, film festival, only time to show about uh, 200, maybe 250 uh, of these films. So it really is the best stuff that gets in. Everything gets seen by a number of people. The stronger films get talked about and watched in committee and talked about again. And it's a, it's a year-long uh, project that sees its fruition this week. And so the excitement is... Uh, Oh, boy. I'm just uh, all a flutter. Probably uh, the place to start is by talking about uh, three of the bigger names that are associated with this year's festival. Uh, in past years, uh, of course, there's been a lot of uh, important artists coming through town, some of them being interviewed here on WCBN. Uh, DJ Danny Glover's kid and myself were lucky enough to interview Genesis Briar P. Orridge a couple years ago. Um, I think uh, Penelope Spheris is scheduled to be interviewed uh, here at some point this week. We'll talk about her in a little bit. And um, so the big names this year are really uh, Penelope Spheris, Tom Anderson, and Phil Niblock. And I'm going to start with Phil Niblock because uh, already now for about uh, half a week or so, uh, well, since March 19th, uh, there's an installation uh, that you can go see uh, for free at uh, any time that the work gallery is open. And they are open, I think, from noon to 7 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Just tried to get in there today. Alas, they do not have Monday hours. But the, the work gallery is at 306 South State. And it's largely funded or supported by the uh, same generous patrons who support the Penny Stamps Lecture Series. Phil Niblock, though, is a composer, filmmaker, videographer, and director of Experimental Intermedia, a foundation for avant-garde music based in New York with a parallel branch in Ghent, which is in Belgium. Uh, Phil Niblock has done music. He's done films. And, of course, those two worlds collide in his installation. Um, and, of course, there is also, I think the event has already happened at the MOCAD in Detroit. Yeah, that was Thursday, March 20th. Uh, and so that has already happened. 
but uh, the installation is ongoing and can be seen at the work gallery uh, through April 5th, which is actually a week after the festival ends, so plenty of time to see that. Well, Penelope Spheris is also a very important uh, filmmaker, and we're lucky that she, too, will be in attendance throughout much of the festival. Um, in fact, I think just about, well, not quite every day, but on Thursday, Penelope Spheris, who is often referred to as a rock and roll anthropologist, uh, is probably best known for her uh, documentary about the Los Angeles punk rock scene, a film that came out in 1981 called The Decline of Western Civilization. Well, that movie is going to be screening as a part of this festival on Friday. That's a 5 p.m. show. Uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, it's a sort of a trilogy, and although part two, which is about heavy metal music, is not featured here, the very rarely seen Decline of Western Civilization part three will be screened. And of course, when the filmmaker is in attendance, you've got a fabulous opportunity. Uh, I don't know if this will happen after absolutely every screening, but typically what happens at the film festival is when artists are in attendance, after the uh, screening has uh, completed, uh, the artists will come up to the front and will take questions uh, from the audience. <clears throat> and these questions are uh, sometimes fascinating, sometimes trivial, sometimes they reveal aspects of the work that uh, you know you yourself hadn't contemplated, or in some cases that the filmmakers themselves are like, oh, wow, I, yeah, I hadn't really, I can see what you mean. That's that's kind of cool. So a lot of things come from these uh, great conversations afterwards. How often do you get to actually speak to the artist? You know, even if you don't ask the question, you can hear the questions that other people ask. And it's surprising, uh, last year when, uh, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, when Ken Burns uh, was the uh, penny stamp speaker, um, the questions just kept going and, you know, everybody had questions for Ken Byrne and he was very happy and helpful to answer all. And he would cover every aspect of your question, too. Um, it was really remarkable to see. And so Penelope Spheris will not only be here um, showing her films. Um, well, the good staff of the Michigan Theater will do the showing. She'll just stand there and talk about them afterwards. Uh, but she is also doing the Penny Stamps Lecture this year. And if you're interested at all in attending the Penny Stamps Lecture, which again is one of the free events associated with the Ann Arbor Film Festival, you really got to make sure you get there on time because that one there will be a line for. There's always a high demand for the Penny Stamps uh, Lecture that occurs as a part of the uh, Film Festival. So you definitely want to get there early. It's scheduled to begin at 5 p.m. on Thursday in the main auditorium of the Michigan Theater. Um, she will be speaking with uh, Mark Toscano, a film preservationist for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science Film Archive, and also a filmmaker himself. He's had some works in the uh, festival's past and uh, happens to be a very nice guy. And that'll be a really cool conversation. Uh, to watch on stage as Mark uh, discusses Penelope's body of work with her. They'll probably show some examples, talk about various things. And uh, these are really unique uh, opportunities to be there live uh, as an artist explains and discusses their work with somebody who's well-informed and uh, sympathetic to the nature of their projects and so forth. Um, so that's uh, going to be a highlight as well. 
uh, other films by uh, Penelope Spheris that'll be showing. There's a, a great opportunity to see a collection of her short films. And although, you know, her most famous film didn't come out until 1981, uh, she was making films as early as 65. And so on Thursday at 9.30 p.m. in the screening room at the Michigan Theater, there will be a program of short films uh, by Penelope Spheris. And this program will include early films I Don't Know and Hats Off to Hollywood, which actually screened at the Ann Arbor Film Festival back in the early 70s. Uh, her work, it says here, I'm reading from the uh, program poster, sort of calendar event um, from the film festival. Uh, her early work was ahead of its time in playing with the boundaries of fiction and documentary, as well as depicting an emerging queer culture of the 1970s. Speaking of uh, emerging queer culture, it's important to remember the Outnight uh, Films and Competition series. This is a uh, fabulous uh, program of shows. That's at 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday night in the main auditorium of the Michigan Theater. It's the 13th annual program of lesbian, gay, uh, bisexual, transgender, and queer films featuring recent documentary, experimental, and narrative works. All uh, touching on thematic uh, points of interest for the uh, LGBTQ community. And, of course, all are welcome to this screening. Uh, that's one of the events that there is, uh, of course, a charge for, uh, tickets and so forth available at the box office of the Michigan Theater. Uh, although I strongly recommend uh, becoming a supporter of the Ann Arbor Film Festival and getting a festival pass. Uh, this is a great uh, advantage because it allows you to go from room to room without having to buy a ticket for the next show and uh, get you into a lot of the uh, after-festival activities, such as the uh, live performance that's going to happen at the Performance Network that is sponsored by WCBN. And that's a film I'll talk about in a little bit later, uh, wrapping up Penelope Spheris now. So her... Um, Little Scene, uh, third film in the Decline of Western Civilization series, uh, part three, is going to be a screening Friday night at 9.15. So you can go see the punk rock documentary at 5, you know, and rush off to the next picture, get something to eat at some point. You have to figure out during the film festival when you're actually going to eat because it's an embarrassment of riches. I've got to be in all places at all time to see them all. And you can't. So you've obviously got to make choices. Am I doing the screening room or the main theater and so forth? But uh, with this much quality programming, uh, it's really a, a win-win scenario to have uh, so much stuff. Um, you can always talk to people about what they saw in the other room. So the uh, topic of Decline of Western Civilization Part 3 <clears throat> is... Uh, uh, focusing on the gutter punk lifestyles of homeless teenagers in Los Angeles. And that's a 1998 documentary. So obviously that's about more than gutter punk and more than youth culture. Uh, the problem of and topic of homelessness is uh, not going away. And uh, so there will be uh, points of interest in that film for uh, a range of reasons, not simply her primary interest in music with that um, Decline of Western Civilization series. The other important name associated with the uh, guest list for this year's film festival 
Um, just Phil Kneeblock and Penelope Spheris alone is a pretty noteworthy uh, film artist <clears throat> to uh, have in town for the duration. But also Tom Anderson is going to be there. And uh, he has done primarily work in documentary. In fact, one of his films, a 2003 film, uh, is quite well known. It's entitled Los Angeles Plays Itself. <clears throat> and uh, this is a great opportunity to see that movie. It'll be screened Saturday at 12.30 p.m. in the main theater of the Michigan Theater. Um, originally a 2003 film, uh, Los Angeles Plays Itself traces the development and evolution of L.A., the most photographed city in the world. Composed of hundreds of film clips drawn from a century of cinema with a voiceover that is both lucid and humorous, um, the film garnered broad critical acclaim and is considered one of the essential documentaries of the entire decade of the 2000s. You'll be able to see it here with the filmmaker himself in attendance. And there's actually a Tom Anderson show five of the six days of the festival, and I'm really excited about that. He's an instructor now in film history and film theory and so forth, still occasionally uh, producing films, but this is a, uh, a career-long um, survey, and it's the first time his works have been uh, given this sort of treatment. Um, usually it's only after an artist passes away that their work is given a chance to be seen. I mean, we think about paintings, they hang permanently on display. They are owned by particular trusts or museums or buildings or countries even. And the, you, know, you can always count on seeing a bunch of you know, Rembrandt paintings if you go to the museum in Amsterdam. Um, but films are a kind of art form that do not enjoy that sort of constant um, availability. You know, you can look at pictures of Rembrandt paintings online or in books and get something of the same effect. But a lot of these experimental films, these documentary films, are not available in formats that you can watch easily at home. If they're available online, sometimes the quality's not great, and then again you're just watching it on a stupid little computer screen. Um, not in the way that they were meant to be seen. So a couple of years ago when there was a career sort of survey uh, retrospective on the works of experimental filmmaker Bruce uh, Connor, I was very excited because it's impossible to see that guy's work anywhere. You know, the only Bruce Connor film that's readily available commercially is if you buy the uh, enhanced CD of Brian Eno and David Burns' My Life in the Bush of Ghosts. Uh, Bruce Connor did a couple of uh, films for two of the songs on that record. And um, so you can get the, the video, uh, as it's now called, uh, for Brian Eno's uh, song Mea Culpa uh, by Bruce Connor is available on that DVD. Um, so to see uh, so much work by Tom Anderson right here in town with the artist here uh, to talk about them is an exceptional opportunity uh, to just absorb some real high quality and important art that uh, you just don't have access to otherwise. We're, uh, this festival is on a par with anything that happens in New York City or San Francisco or Los Angeles. Um, 
it's really something that uh, I can't encourage people enough to uh, go out and try to see at least something from the festival. So let's survey the Tom Anderson uh, features. Wednesday at 9.15 in the screening room, uh, a collection of short films from 1965 to 2014 by Tom Anderson. Um, featuring newly restored prints of his earliest works, Melting, uh, which is... Uh, <laughs> An ice cream sundae, uh, that Sunday that just melts. Ooh, that was a real Jackson pronunciation there. Uh, only Mars will get that joke. Uh, Sunday, uh, it's just an ice cream thing that melts, and it's a 1965 film. Um, he wrote a famous piece uh, defending one of Andy Warhol's experimental films that was uh, getting a lot of flack for being a ridiculous and pointless movie, and whatever you may think about Andy Warhol. Uh, this essay sort of helped put Tom Anderson on the map. Um, and so these films from the 60s are going to reflect that sort of uh, 60s experimental vibe. Very cool stuff to see. Uh, one film that is nameless, but its subtitle is also known as the rock and roll film, 1967. I can't wait to see that. Uh, this program of short films will conclude with Get Out of the Car, uh, which I think actually appeared at the film festival in 2010, and his most recent film, Hey Asshole, 2014. So that's a brand new film with a catchy title. But that's just Wednesday's opportunity to see the work of Tom Anderson. Also, uh, Thursday at 3 p.m., there is in the Michigan screening, uh, Theater Screening Room a new, uh, newly restored 35-millimeter print of um, Anderson's film, Edward Mybridge, Zoo Praxographer. Uh, and I'll read here from the program notes. Tom Anderson's first feature announced the arrival of one of America's most significant documentary auteurs. Edward Mybridge, a zoo, zoo praxographer, is at once a biography of Mybridge, a reanimation of his historic sequential photographs, and an inspired examination of their philosophical implications. Well, if you don't know who Edward Mybridge was, he was the gentleman who figured out how to photograph a horse while it's running in order to determine whether or not there's any given moment where all four of its feet are off the ground. A couple of business tycoons had a bet about this back in the uh, late 1800s, and Edward uh, Mybridge set out cameras with tripwires and photographed the horse as it ran. And noticed that when these photographs were shown in quick sequence, it created the illusion of motion. And voila, the new art form is born. Um, Edward Mybridge was also a fascinating uh, fellow who was uh, uh, a nativist or a naturalist. Uh, he liked nudity. And so there's a lot of photographs of uh, Edward Mybridge um, in the nude, uh, you know, modestly uh, depicting uh, the human form. Uh, they're not like a, a grotesque or anything, but he is. It's unusual to see such a fellow photographed in such a way because he's got one of those big long beards and kind of a gawky looking fellow. Uh, so, um, but he took a lot of photos of uh, people in motion, animals. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to having a chance to see that film. <clears throat> also uh, showing by uh, Tom Anderson, and this is a film that Dick Whaley is looking, I think, the most forward to. Uh, out of anything that's in the uh, program, is uh, Tom Anderson's 1995 documentary, um, 
called Red Hollywood. Remastered and re-edited, Tom Anderson and Noel Birch's revelatory 1995 documentary about films made by, quote, Red Hollywood screenwriters uh, and directors who were communists, ex-communists, or sympathizers named by the House Un-American Activities Committee offers a radically different perspective on a key period of American film history. An elaboration of Anderson's 1985 essay of the same name, the film draws on extensive research by the filmmakers, as well as interviews with some of the blacklisted artists and clips from 53 films spanning numerous genres, bringing to light a mostly forgotten canon of works that raised challenging questions about war, race relations, class solidarity, women's labor, and even the studio system itself. That is 4 p.m. Main Auditorium, Michigan Theater on Friday for that Tom Anderson work. The Los Angeles Plays Itself film will be showing uh, again, as I mentioned, 1230 Saturday in the uh, main theater. And then last but not least, Sunday. By Sunday, the hardcore festival goers are starting to show signs of weariness. Uh, speaking for myself, over the course of the six days, I average about 24 to 27 hours of films seen. And uh, after you've watched that many movies over that many days, when you leave the Michigan Theater Sunday night, it takes a couple days for the effect to wear off. It feels like everything you look at is a movie. And you walk through the world, you enter something as commonplace as your own home, and you start to see it in a new way, as though your mind is editing the pictures selectively that it wants to make into the movie of your interpretation of reality. And that's just part of the reason that the uh, Ann Arbor Film Festival is so magical. But Sunday, if you've got the endurance, or if that's just your only availability... Sunday afternoon is a good afternoon for people to do some movie watching. Last chance to see some Tom Anderson. It's his 2012 film, um, Reconversal, a combination travelogue and architectural study focusing on 17 buildings and projects by the often controversial Portuguese architect Edward de Souto de Moura, winner of the 2011 Pritzker Prize. Echoing Ziga Vertov's concepts, and Edward Mybridge's techniques, shooting only one or two frames per second, Anderson masterfully brings forward what makes Suto di Maura an original, the incorporation of the passing of time into architectural design, positing them within a history fraught with class struggle and societal changes. In continuum with ruins, from which they may originate and to which they will return, and with nature... Uh, which they frame, and by which they are framed. That sounds pretty intriguing. There's a couple of other movies here, too, that I'm probably not going to have time to talk about in detail that seem to emphasize uh, the importance of our attempts to frame things in vast spaces. You know, how do we perceive the vastness of the world? Well, we can't. You know, we parcel it off into small pieces that we can mentally digest. You know, our houses are built into compartments that, you know, you know the contents of the room. You can become comfortable and familiar with it when you're in an open field or something that's so big. Uh, there's a change in your uh, way of being 
Uh, this is why the medieval churches are built with the huge towering spires uh, to create a sense of your smallness and the vastness of God's universe. Uh, I just spent some time yesterday afternoon walking around Cobo Hall and the new uh, riverfront uh, remodeling they've done there. It's quite beautiful. You walk in and it's that cathedral effect. Uh, you are in a new kind of space. Well, there's a couple films about uh, traveling across the vastness of the ocean and one film about traveling up a mountain in Nepal. And that one I'm intrigued by. That's going to be available Thursday at 645. It's basically uh, riding a cable car up uh, one of the Himalayans and uh, you get to ride along with the uh, filmmaker. So uh, lots and lots of things to do and see uh, in town this week. Uh, of course, uh, probably next week's program, Dick Whaley and I will recap our favorites from the film festival. Hope to see you there. Uh, I'll be there all week. This is the cultural highlight of Ann Arbor uh, every year. So don't miss it. It's, uh, it's going to be pretty good. So as usual, and I'm going to give a... Uh, salute right now to uh, creative director David Dinell for all the hard work uh, he puts into making this happen and his great uh, capacity for linking together films that have uh, thematic uh, commonalities and uh, making for a really cohesive and wonderful program. So let's look forward to uh, total enjoyment at the Ann Arbor Film Festival. Right now, uh, it's just about time to... Uh, Get ready for some down-home blues. And so let's turn things over to Yazoo City Calling in just a moment. Well, it's, it's interesting that the very first book of the Bible is creation. And so the most divine act, apparently, is creation. Yeah. So art, literature, music, film the act of being creative is is a divine calling and should be treated that way Absolutely. that's how we look at it yeah mm -hmm. we're glad to hear uh, artists like yourself articulate that so. oh thank you my dear <laughs> <laughs> this is genesis Mariah Purich, and you're listening to wcbn fm ann arbor our transmission to Oceania. However, listeners in East Asia may continue listening on the following shortwave frequencies. WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, bringing you music from around the world.
Good evening. You're listening to Yazoo City Calling on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. This is our weekly tribute to early American blues incarnations, rural and urban, black and white, renowned and obscure. We broadcast to you live every Monday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on 89.5.